Good morning, and welcome to Don't Talk About It. I am your host, Dean McInnes. I'm here today to talk about something that I do often. Um, it's a blind spot for me, and uh, as of this week, uh, my wife and I had a conversation about how um, this is something I'm doing here at home, and uh, it was uh, a little reality check, and uh, I would like to share that story with you today. Um, I'm sure all of us are experiencing new norms right now and trying to find our sense of balance when nothing makes sense. So a uh, little fun story here today, and uh, it's a little personal problem that I have as a blind spot. It's not ill-intended, but it is a bad obsession. Um, and here we go. So the topic of today is called the fixer, and that is something that I tend to do. Um, I, as you know, I'm an identical twin. Um, I should also let you know that I am a hyperactive identical twin as well. My brother and I are full of energy, and um, in fact, my nickname, I believe, is the Energizer Bunny. I've been called Flash because of how fast I walk, um, especially on campus, walking back and forth, you know, zoom in the hallways, it's like whoosh. And uh, I'm always off to, you know, save the day, so to say. And uh, this is this is a quality that kind of runs in the family. My, my mother... Uh, has been in a position where uh, she is, I would say, the hero of her work and um, is always like rescuing and saving the day and fixing things. And, um, you know, so it's, I'm sure that is exactly, you know, a contributor to where I got that from. Um, you know, and, and this is, is something that I thought, oh, you know, I don't do that. And then usually when we start by saying, I don't do that, that's like the first thing. That's the first sign that we do do it. <laughs> because I, I, at least for myself, I feel like when I say, oh, I don't do that, it's, it's because I, I have self-doubt right away. Or because I want people to know that there's no way I do that. Um and I realize it's it, a lot of times in myself, like I said, these are my own opinions. I am in no sense a, a psychiatrist or have, you know, proof and data uh, behind all my theories. These are just, uh, you know, the, the things that work for me and have helped my life to become more of the person that I wake up and enjoy seeing in the mirror. So back to the fixer. Um and so, you know, I'm sure this is, you know, a contributor of uh, where I got this example because, you know, we've all learned things from our parents through modeling. And, you know, modeling is something that we also don't learn from our parents, but we learn through friends, you know, spouses, colleagues, um, things as well, you know, through like that observed behavior. Um, so, so I'm going to start with a little bit of... Uh, you know, childhood here, and that has a lot to do with, I would say, the fact that um, my mom always did an amazing job, like, setting the tone for us um, with, like, any example um, I can come up with. My mom tried to create the perfect environment for her two boys, and I completely understand, you know, where she's coming from. Um, you have two super hyperactive twins that, you know, I mean, we've been kicked out of I think every sizzler 
and uh, McDonald's on the uh, I-5 here from uh, California all the way up to Washington. <laughs> so, you know, from the ages of three to six, you know, for throwing food or, you know, making too much of a noise. And um, and we were quickly whisked away to the car, and that's where, you know, we spent our, our time eating. Um, but my mom always put a lot of thought into the environment of that she was taking us into and always tried to I would say set like a good environment and it's one thing to you know set a good environment and have answers um, but I think like the constant expectation on yourself to to provide the answer is one area that you know being a fixer tends to wear on you because you always feel like you need to provide the answer and that's how I felt for a long time is this very wearing. But what I realized as of yesterday, um, thank you to a, a conversation with my lovely lady, um, is the why behind we, why we fix is, I feel like, the my biggest blind spot, which is um, the fact that just because I have an answer doesn't mean that I have the answer and it also simply does not mean that my answer is not meant for, or the answer that works for me is not always the answer that works for everybody else. Um, and that was, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a, an epiphany. And, and I call it a blind spot because uh, up until yesterday, I thought I was, I was doing it very well. And, uh, and then I realized how much I'm you know, stealing the, the microphone and not giving somebody else the floor because I can fix the problem. So we'll start with a, a little example. And uh, and, uh, and it's going to go back to, to childhood. And it has to do a little bit with being an identical twin. You know, the whatever was done to one always was done to the other. So it was like, you know, if I got an ice cream cone, my brother got an ice cream cone. You know, if I went to the lake, my brother went to the lake. Like, it was always this these equal platforms. And, um, and so, like, the environment that my mom always set for us was, like, a comfortable environment because we never felt like, um, I would say, like, things were unfair, you know, growing up. And, um, you know, this environment was always pleasant. And, you know, whenever um, the environment was unpleasant, like, my mom would always quickly fix it. And, um, and I know that a lot of that comes from her love for us and um, how she didn't want us to experience anything badly. Um, but my first lesson actually came as a supervisor um, or a director um, of, a, of a division that fixing things after about five years into my job had led me to a point that I couldn't fix my, I would say myself on the daily because I was fixing everybody else. Um, so here we go with that. Uh, I started uh, working with a team and uh, the, you know, we started off with about three people and then we built our way up to about seven. Um, and so there's about seven of us now working um, on this team. And when I first started directing, um, I would always say, oh, here's the answer. You know, somebody would come in with a question and they would say, you know, what do you want me to do about this? And I would just say, do here, do that, do this, blah, blah, blah. And 
you know, somebody else would come in with, oh, um, like uh, an advertisement. We were doing maybe like an outreach program. And they would say, you know, how do you, you know, we have an issue with the printer. We need to do white paper instead of blue. And, you know, I will solve everything. I'll grab the paper. I'll fix, you know, I'll go find the paper. I'll load the printer and I will reprint all of them in the proper color. And like, and that's, 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 I would say my example or that, that sentence where fixing is something that I realized I started doing because I wanted to constantly set this environment to, you know, have a pleasant environment and feel good. Um, and so I, I realized that, you know, I was doing way more than anybody was ever asking me to do. And, um, and it, it, a lot of it, you know, like I said, is because of, of this environment and, you know, I'd fix these problems and I, and I realized that, you know, I was fixing these problems for myself. I wasn't fixing these problems for other people because by not allowing my teammates to kind of solve their own problems in a safe setting. So, you know, I use this example, like the dance floor is you have the corner of the dance floor or the parameter perimeters of the dance floor. And it's like, when you step off that, that you're off the dance floor. So like, those would be like, you know, rules or, um, you know, guidelines, things that are like legal laws. Um, you know, maybe they're your, uh, mission statement. Maybe it's your standards, but everybody has like their guidelines for their dance floor. And, what I was doing is within that dance floor, I was telling all my, my staff how to dance and I was telling them the best way to dance. But what I wasn't doing is allowing the creativity of my team to dance for themselves because I automatically assumed that the answer I had was the best answer. I mean, I'm the, I'm the director, I'm the team leader, I'm the go-to person. So yeah, I've got the best answer, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's totally egotistical, but at the same time, it's, it, it, it was like I was saving people, you know, I was fixing things. I was the hero. And, um, and you know, in, in every situation, it's different. So, you know, this is definitely not a, an apply to every situation. But for my course of my last five years of growth, um, these are like those realizations that I've, I've had about, you know, fixing and, you know, the things that are positive from fixing and the things that are not so positive from fixing. Um, so when the world would go on fire, you know, Dean would run in and save the day. And, um, I, and in my manager days, as I started to, I would say, really dig in with this style of, of um, leadership, which really isn't leadership, it's disguised leadership. Um, but what I would do is... I wouldn't be able to take a day off. I wouldn't be able to have a vacation. I wouldn't be able to walk away from my phone for five minutes without being interrupted. I would be texting on my lunch. Um, all these things were occurring because I was fixing. And I had trained my team through that modeled behavior that you don't need to fix your problems, that I'm going to fix them for you. And it also limits the creativity and the problem-solving skills for my team to function on their own. And, and it really was like my epiphany. Um, 
that I was doing this to the team when I was working 60 hours a week and like most days like barely getting a bite to eat and I realized something had to change and 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 it started with empowering people back so for example somebody would walk into my office and would say you know we have a problem um with our outreach program you know the email list is having issues um you know not all the addresses are are correct and so instead of just providing an answer and saying okay well what you need to do is you know go here check all this out do this blah 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 the first question now i ask is how do you think we should solve it or do you have any input on this or let's go take a look at this and then you can show me what's going on and you know share with me how you would fix it but you are re you're empowering the person to kind of think for themselves and you know this isn't like a situation for all i mean like you know if i'm a a doctor and uh, I have all this knowledge about brain surgery I'm not going to empower somebody to you know try it out I mean <laughs> these we got to have like you know in safe situations um, but I, I I switched to this style of letting go of my ego and kind of telling myself that you know what like you do not have to be in the spotlight or the problem solver or the fixer to feel good about you and that's kind of what I realized I was doing is like I was fixing all these problems because I didn't want to deal with an uncomfortable environment and I love being the hero I love being the fixer um but what it was doing is it was it was it was taking us down a path of more problems instead of more more solutions um so now since this new leadership style um has been encouraged empowered and you know we're really um growing with it it's i'm so proud of just watching the team walk in and now they'll say we have an issue with this this is what i'm going to do about it or this is what i did about it and you know it's it's that area where you allow people to provide input that's that you see as valuable and you respect and that's the platform is in order to do this you've got to be able to allow people to have a voice to have a microphone to have that spotlight and to say something that might not be right and it's your job to not debilitate them for trying to be creative you know and what i mean by that is let's say somebody comes in with a harebrained idea and, um, you know, let's say we want to do, I don't know, we're going to add in, uh, since we're playing with the i5, let's do like freeway bobsledding, you know, or it's like, it ain't going to happen. It's not safe. It's a terrible idea. But, you know, you want to give the person credit for thinking outside the box or, you know, that isn't really, you know, going to fit into the parameters of like the work environment. But like, where's another way where you could, you know, create something like that? Like maybe it's, it's a, a video game or an app or, so there's ways to allow, I think, just create full creativity within that dance floor of those parameters. Um, and, and that's what I, you know, started to do with the team. And, and ever since then, like whenever I go leave work, I mean, I 
I only look at my phone because it's a fixation from myself, not at all a, a request from my team. And and at the point, like, they don't even text me or, or call me or anything like that on my on my days off because because um, they feel empowered to, to do it for themselves. Um, and, and that was my first, I would say, like, my work lesson with, with fixing is when you empower people to be part of a team and to be part of the conversation more than anything. It doesn't have to be a team. I mean, a team can be you and your spouse or you and your best friend or you and your son, you and your daughter. Um, you know, that's a team. It's all relationship-based. But um, you're allowing both people to have the microphone and you're allowing both people to speak in an environment that's safe and has them feel like they can say something that isn't correct without being, I would say, berated or... Uh, um, debilitated from it. So, so that's the, the first little step when it comes to fixing for, for me is setting your ego aside and realizing that you don't have all the answers. You might have all the answers, but it's, it's, and they, they'll probably work, but you don't allow the opportunity for something greater or something better to come of it. If you constantly provide the solution and you actually take something away from the individual in that conversation as well. And then um, so, you know, open, open feedback back and forth and is, is always, in my opinion, a, a great way to go. Um, so I bring this, this next into a, a relationship standpoint. And, and it is, has a lot to do with the example of the answer that you have might not be the answer that they want. And what works for you doesn't work for others. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week with per, um, with per, perception and uh, the twin perspective, you know, that we could, my brother and I can have identical genes, be in an identical environment and have two totally different perceptions on what we remembered, what happened, how we felt. And we got to be able to give each one of those individuals the, the stage to have that opinion. And when you, when I feel like I, I don't allow that alternative perspective because I'm fixing, I'm providing the answer, which is saying, I know better than you, or, or, you know, I just want to fix this. Um, you're, you're taking away that, that voice. And, you know, yesterday was when I kind of realized how a good intention can really be a bad obsession. And, um, and even if it's a good attention, it doesn't mean that it has, you know, good results. Um, so the other day, you know, a couple of things that had occurred and, um, I was doing this thing where I was constantly providing answers by doing things through perceived thought. So, you know, I'd be walking by and I'd, you know, there'd be all these flowers out and, oh, I'd all put all these together for her. Um, or, you know, uh, we've been talking a lot about, you know, COVID and the news and, you know, and so in the middle of, uh, of her sentence, I will just jump in and say, oh, I know that really bothers me too. And, 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 you know, and I'm saying it in a way to, with an intention that is like, I agree with you. I see you. I hear you. I validate you. But, and not everybody feels this way, but for the relationship with my wife and I, 
is that chiming in to her makes her feel like I took away her microphone. I took away her voice because she still had, you know, quite a bit to say. And I interrupted and interjected because what I had to say, I felt is more important. Um, But I'm saying it for my own benefit, because even though I'm telling, you know, my wife, oh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm really saying, and I realized this yesterday, is I'm really saying, oh, good, you agree with me. And because I feel, you know, a little unsettled with, you know, the situation or the conversation or wanting to be um, validated. And, um, and it was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I'm doing that. And, and, you know, and not acknowledging it would be just a, a really burying the anchor at heart and say, no, no, you don't feel that way. Cause then I'm taking your voice away yet again. And, uh, you know, it is, it's just something that like, I always thought to myself, like I'm a fixer, like I'm saving the day for people. And you know, there are those situations where we gotta be fixers. We gotta save the day for people. I mean, like look at paramedics, firemen, cops, like they all, you know, are acting with the solution. They're not going to ask somebody, you know, what the protocol is for this. They know it, they're doing it. And, you know, so it's not a one trick pony by any beads, but it is just more kind of some gum to chew on for a little while and, you know, see if it resonates with you a bit. Like when we take these actions to fix things, are we doing it for the, the other person or are we doing it for ourselves? And the why behind the fixing is the question that I started with today. And that is the question that I think I'm going to end with is the intention of the why behind the action is so important. And so many times we just take the action without even thinking about the why. And, and so my why for fixing was because I was uncomfortable and I wanted to, you know, be liked or be the hero or the problem solver, but they were all for my reasons. And I will move forward continuing to fix problems, but in a different sense, in a more inclusion sense. Um, like, for example, we gave some of those. How do you feel about this? What are your thoughts? You know, you came to me with the problem. What do you think should be fixed? Um, or how do you want to handle this? Um, but I think, you know, part of the, the understanding, depending on the dynamic, is, you know, really understanding the why behind it. And, um, and you know, there's always different perspectives. And we got to be able to, to handle those different perspectives from an opening standpoint. Um, and so, so obviously, we're at the point of this podcast um, where I'm rambling. You guys have heard me do that. I'm trying to grab onto one other little, like, nugget of tangent life lessons. And uh, it's, it's just not popping it at, at the moment. But... Um, but my, I would say the fixing is this overall blanket of the, the underlining question, which is the why. Why do we do things? And um, the actions that we take that we know are right for us are not always the actions that are right for somebody else. So my example happens to be the fixer. 
But the bigger question at hand is the action and why we take that action. And is that action good for us? Is that action good for others? And um, we won't know until we add somebody else into the conversation, probably the person that we're interacting with and doing the behavior for. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your ears. Stay tuned next week for more. Don't talk about it. Have a great rest of the day.